The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. Well, thank you for being here this morning. It's good to see everyone. My older sister's here today, and I didn't know that until uh, I looked over there. She snuck in on me. So if you was wondering, that's my sister, Kathy. And, uh, yeah, she's my older sister, and... Uh, She's a grandmother. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even a grandfather yet, but she's a grandmother twice over. So uh, Grandma Vaughn's here today, uh, and we're glad she's here. And I'm glad you're here, and uh, she's a sister for all of us. Uh, she's a believer. And, you know, we've been talking over the, uh, the last three or four weeks about the church, and uh, uh, the church is not just East Delta. The church is the bride of Christ, and... Uh, throughout the writings that we've been looking at in Romans, and we're going to be in Romans chapter 16, Paul has been talking about the bride of Christ, and he's been talking about the church. And all of these messages we're been, we've been looking at is, is Paul has really talked about how we uh, are to recognize one another as brothers and sisters in Christ, we're to love each other as, as uh, brothers and sisters, and we're to have that family affection. And we talked about that family affection last week. Uh, who all's had a kiss this morning? I, that's a little better than last week, Okay. I tried to kiss Emily last week, and she turned away after that message. Can you believe that? I puckered her big old lips up, and I grabbed her and spun her around. And, and uh, Mr. Looper looked at me like, what are you doing? And, uh, so, now that's okay. I've, uh, she's my daughter, too. She's, a, she's a, a, not biologically, but we've grown up together. So, uh, but we talked about last week greeting each other with a... Uh, with a kiss and a hug, and, and uh, we've done some of that this morning, and it, it's great because that's what the church is about. And to be honest, when we begin to read through Romans and we begin to look at this last chapter, what we're going to deal with today, I would just soon not talk about it, but I thought about it and I thought, you know, why would God include this? It wasn't important. If it wasn't important, amen? I mean, should we skip over something that may not be something we we particularly like to think about or like to deal with. But it's in God's Word, and because it's in God's Word, I think we need to look at it and we need to talk about it. And we're not going to do a big review from the last couple of weeks, but remember that Paul is writing to the church in Rome. He lists a bunch of people in the church, and he, uh, as he lists these names, he talks about, I remember how they were with me and the Lord, and we did this, and uh, we worked together, and they're also believers, and I have some family there, and they're believers, and, and I love the part where he talks about those, those twin girls, and he has nicknames for them, and he talks about Red there in the church, and he, he says, give all of them greetings, I miss y'all, I wish I was there with y'all, and, and uh, he talks about slave and free and rich and poor and single and married and uh, children and adults. And he describes the body of the church and he describes the body of Christ. And he, he says, we're all the body of Christ and we greet each other and let's, uh, let's uh, have that affection that we would have in a family. But today we're going to talk about, and this is a, a complete turn of what Paul has been talking about, we're going to talk about how to deal or how to cope with spiritual foes. And if we think about that in the church, we'd say, well, uh, you know, I'm not sure that, that we should even be covering that. Well, it's in God's Word, not just here. 
You know, I said last week that, uh, that Paul said five times in Scripture to get, greet each other with a holy kiss. So not once, twice, three times, four, but five times Paul said that. When we begin to look at uh, how to deal with spiritual foes, not only did Paul address this in several places, Christ addressed it. So it's something that we need to know and we need to understand. And uh, so if we look there in Romans chapter 16, and let's drop down to, uh, uh, let's go to verse 17. And we're going to read 17 through 20, and I want you to see what it says. As he turns the tables, and we're thinking about how to deal, how to deal or how to cope with spiritual foes, when you read these verses, uh, we're going to start getting some idea of what Paul's talking about. He says, starting in verse 17, I urge you, so he's, he's urging these brothers in Christ, this church, the body of Christ, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching that you've learned. And then he says, keep away from them. Well, I want to just stop here just a moment, and I want to remind you, what's Paul been teaching about here? He's been teaching about the body of Christ. Now, he, he also taught all through Romans about who Christ was. Remember, he's dealing with folks that are looking for the Messiah. He's dealing with folks that he's saying, hey, this is, uh, this is who Christ is. He talks to the Gentiles through this, and the Pharisees have denied Christ. So he's, he's taught them all about who Christ is. So one, one aspect of what he's dealing with here is watch out for those who are coming against what Christ is saying. Now, if you were here, remember four or five weeks ago, we talked about those Gnostics and how they had came in and how they had begun to say, we have a new revelation and we have a new ideal about Christ and we have a, a new ideal about the Messiah and the Savior. And so that part of his warning is there. But as he writes this, this follows immediately after greetings to the church. So what he's been teaching about through this part of the letter is about the church family, about the body of Christ. So when we read this, he says, I urge you to be on watch or for out, watch out for those who would cause divisions or who would put obstacles in the way contrary to the teaching that you've learned. And then he makes this statement, stay away from them. Now, I can assure you in just about every church, whether it's in Rome, whether it's in Corinth, whether it's in East Delta or Delta County or Texas or the United States or across the country, there are some folks and there's some, some people who we're going to find unpleasant. You know, that's, that's really kind of true in the family sometimes, isn't it? I mean, sometimes we just come together as a family and you, the big uncle that's got the big belly that smokes the cigars in the house that no smoking's allowed, you know, we might find that guy a little unpleasant. And, and we, we deal with them and we, 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 we come, they're still part of the family, but, but they may be knuckleheads and they may be a little unpleasant. And, and Paul's saying, hey, this is how we should deal with those people who are causing problems in the church and in this verse, he tells us what to do with them. Look what it says as we keep reading. He says, keep away from them, verse 17, for such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but they're serving their own appetites. And listen by the way they do this. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the mind of naive people. And everyone who have heard about your obedience, that is in Rome, so I am full of joy over you, but I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. We're going to talk about that last statement. I want you to be wise about what is good 
and innocent about what is evil. So if you want to just jot this down, I'm, we're going in a minute to, to talk about Adam and Eve and the Garden of Eden, but, but I, I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. And that passage that we just read, now look at verse 20, and uh, it's an amazing promise that we have, and, and I'm sure we've all read this, but, but I want you to read what it says. This is verse 20. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Now, I want to read that again since I messed it up. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. The thing I want to talk about today, and the first thing is this, is we need to identify and avoid disruptive people. We need to identify and avoid disruptive people. Now, this morning, if, if I go against anything that, that's in God's Word, I want you to let me know. I want you to say, I don't, I don't, that's not what God's Word's saying. But, but I want us to see what Paul has to say. And, and there's always folks and there's always people who want to argue with something. Who, they they want to they come and they want to complain. They want to come and they want to complain about this or that. And they want to nitpick little things about this or that, things that are going on. And the Bible says, uh, don't kick them out of the church. We need to hear that. It doesn't say, throw them out of the church. It doesn't say, don't be mean to them. It doesn't say, close your eyes and turn your head. Y'all, do people still do that? My sister was good at this now, and she happened to be here this morning. But, you know, if you said something, we were, you know, or she may never come back. But, uh, you know, when we were kids, and, and you said something like, I'm looking at trees that just go... Look away. You know, that, that, that's not what it says. And does anybody do that? Look at all of y'all just sitting out here all pious and uh, we would never do it. But, but it doesn't say that. It doesn't say be mean to them. It, it doesn't say throw them out of the church. It says this, don't have fellowship with those people. Now, what does that mean? They're, they're the ones that, that, you know, you come together and, and you're, you're, Paul is saying, hey, we don't, we don't come with them. We don't, we don't have fellowship with them. What is fellowship? It's spending that time together. It's, it's having that relationship together. And, and if you think, well, that's kind of odd. What do we do in the world? Does anybody know someone? And, and that person you know, they're, they're just chronically negative type person. And when you begin to talk to them, I mean, it's just always this and that, and, and it's, it's just always something. And, and you see them in the grocery store, and you're like, oh, no, if they get catch me, you know that we're gonna, I'm going to just have this big, huge conversation. And what do we do? Sometimes we just go, hi, how are you? And just kind of keep going, you know, we're like, hi, I, how are you today? And we, we don't stop and have fellowship because we know what's coming, so when we think about this, when we see that type of person in the secular world, we're not rude to them, are we? We don't say, hey, get away from me. We just nod, we smile, we say, how are you today? We may smile at them and give them a head nod, and, but we don't have fellowship with them. And, and that's kind of what Paul is saying. But, but don't get lost this morning and leave here saying, all right, I know exactly what I'm going to do, and I've already got the people in my mind I'm going to pick out to do this to. 
Paul's not saying that. We're going to work through this whole process this morning, but, but I want you to look or think about it. If you want to turn to Titus chapter 3, verse 9, and by the way, uh, by the way Titus is like a church operation manual, and, and Paul is writing, avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because these are unprofitable and they're useless. Just let me ask you, ask you this. Have you ever known people that, 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 that uh, they always want to argue about something? And I'm talking about in the church now. I'm talking about in your Sunday school class or in your prayer group. They, they want to split theological hairs and, and say, yeah, but what about this? And yeah, but what about that? And, and there comes to these little points of doctrine and, and they, they get mad over those little things and always bringing up those divisive things. You know, I, I heard a preacher say there's an argument in a Sunday school or in a church one time about did Adam and Eve have belly buttons and, or did Eve have a belly button? And, and uh, the, the preacher said, we don't need to go to hell worrying about some other woman's belly button. And, and that's probably good advice for all of us. You know, those little unprofitable, useless conversations and arguments. Paul says when we, when we have those things, when we see those things, we just don't need to be involved in them. And folks, we're talking about the body of Christ. We're talking about loving one another. We're talking about encouraging one another. We talked the week before last about about the power of encouragement to one another. And then Paul says, in the midst of all these things, this positive encouragement, this loving one another as a family, oh, by the way, when you run across that divisive person, just don't have fellowship with them. But beyond that, I want you to look what he says, and we're still reading over here in Titus, It says, warn a divisive person once. Okay, so when we we do that, let's say we have a divisive person and and, uh, somebody says something, you know, uh, I don't necessarily agree with that, or, or, you know, I don't think we ought to be discussing that, or, or, you know, I don't think that's relevant, then then you've kind of let that person know, in love... You know, I, I'm not sure that that's, that's relevant to the conversation. I'm not sure. We, and then he says, if it continues, warn him a second time. Hey, you know, we've talked about that before. We, we need to move on from that. Let's, let's, just, let's just kind of forget that. There was a pastor, Ray Steadman, and, and he preached at church there in San Francisco. <clears throat> this is what he writes. Some people, for the sake of their point of view, would destroy the unity of the church. Some people, just for the sake of their point of view, would destroy the unity of the church. How you deal with them, or how do you deal with them, the Bible says we should avoid them. We must keep our eye on them and turn away from them. In other words, we don't listen to them. We're never obligated to hear such a person out. And when we do hear that person out, we're simply saying by hearing, we agree by simply listening. I think that's a good point. When we, when we hear that word, when we begin to be involved in that, and we begin to listen, if we don't say, hey, wait a minute, I, you know, I, I don't think we even ought to be going there right now, simply by saying, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, well, you're kind of saying, oh, I'm, I'm on your side. I, I, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. And if, and if they're tearing down the church, or they're tearing down the pastor, or they're tearing down the deacons, or they're tearing down the leaders, or they're tearing down their Sunday school teachers, or, or uh, anything along that line, we shouldn't be listening in on that. Amen? Do you agree with that? Now, I'm not, boy, we didn't get many amens there. Amen. Do you agree with that? 
I mean, isn't that really the truth? I'm not up here trying to plug for myself. I mean, I, I, I know that I've been here long enough. I know I aggravate some of you, and you get mad at me sometimes. And, and, uh, but, you know, when we have that division, come to me and tell me. Boy, Debbie don't mind, do you, Debbie? <laughs> uh, and I'm just picking on Debbie a little bit for she's the church secretary, but but we have a good open relationship, and and that's what that's what Paul is teaching about the church. I mean, when we when we come together, and and what do you do if somebody comes up to you and they want to say uh, disruptive things, or they want to begin to tear down something? To, this is what Christ says we should do. We say, wait, hold on, right there. Let me let me just say something right here. Now, here's the key: we can do this in love. When we don't have to be rude and hateful and disrespectful about it, we can say, well, wait just a minute. If you want to quote Scripture, that's fine. If not, just remember what Christ said. Christ says this, if you've got something against somebody, go to that person. Wouldn't that solve a lot of problems? I mean, if we had something against someone, just go to that person. Don't bring it to another person. Go to that person. Talk to that person. And listen, if you're the one that's getting bombarded by this, you know how you can respond to that? Let me set up a meeting with that person, and I don't mind going with you, and let's talk about it. Isn't that the best way to handle it? Hey, you've got something against this person, and you're, you're the person receiving all this. Say, hey, I'll tell you what. Why don't, you, why don't we set up a meeting, and let's just hammer this out. Let's just get to the bottom of it. That's what Paul is saying, and, and he's saying don't, don't have any fellowship with that person if you go through those processes. If you say, hey, you know, I really don't want to go there. Or if you say, hey, let's, let's just set up that meeting with Brother Jake. Let's just hammer this out. Let's just talk about this. And if, and, and if they say, no thanks, no, I'm not interested in doing that, Paul says this, well, just friendly, just give them that friendly nod and say, okay, you know, that's, that's great. And, and we can pray for that person. We can lift that person up. But, but we don't need to have fellowship with that person. In other words, we don't, we don't call up and I'm going to have us go over and look at Proverbs and we're going to talk a little bit about what, the, what tail-bearing does because it, it's laid out there in, in, uh, in Proverbs. But, but think about what he's saying. And, and again, in Matthew 18, we didn't look that scripture, but you can go over there and find that. And it lays out that process of how to go to someone and how to work those issues out. I'm reminded one time, I was a youth minister and, and in the ministry we had some folks that, that got upset and, and they went and they talked to some folks about it, and, and through the grapevine it came back. And, and we had no idea. We had no idea that we had done something to offend that family. And when we found out about it, we went and talked to that family and said, Hey, I'm sorry, we never meant that to be that way. And, and it was simply a misunderstanding. It was a misunderstanding on what was said and what was done, and that person received it wrong, and, and it was simply cleared up like that, simply by coming together and saying, hey, I am sorry if I said something that offended you, and I didn't mean it that way, and that person, well, I took it this way, and, and it was hammered out. And you know the good thing about that? When you do that, you have built a friend. You've built somebody that they say, you know what, that, that guy's on the up and up. That, that girl, she's on the up and up. She, she's the real deal. So I think we need to understand that's what Paul is teaching. That's what Christ is teaching, that, that when we have that opportunity, we need to identify those type folks. We need to try to correct that problem. And if, if it just goes on, then we simply 
avoid that person, don't have fellowship with that person. Again, we don't kick them out of the church. We're not rude to them. We simply are, hi, how are you today? And, and we just avoid that situation. Now, we need to understand this. We need to talk about the devil a little bit this morning because the devil is the one that's behind all of this, okay? He's the one that's back there stirring the pot, so to speak. He's poking the pig or he, he's fueling the flames, and, and I think we need to identify that and understand, and, and I want us to shame the devil a little bit this morning, not that he'll be ashamed, but I want us to reveal who he is, and, and Paul does that very thing here in verse 20. And he says this, the God of peace will soon crush Satan. So we need to understand, and, and we need to claim victory over Satan as, as Jesus, as, as Christ's children, as God's children. We need to say, okay... I understand I have victory over Satan. I understand he's the one that's going to be in the background. He's going to be, he's going to be trying to, to flame this on. He's going to be trying to cause divisions among the church. And, and I want to just stop right here and say, I don't think we have this problem in this church. If we do, I am completely unaware of it. And, and so why would I teach about this? If you're sitting there thinking, well, they must be having something going on. We really don't that I know of. But I think we need to realize that Satan's prowling around the Bible says, like a roaring lion seeking that which he can devour, seeking that which he can destroy. So I think we need to be on guard, and we need to understand what God's Word is. So look at what it says here. It says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan. Notice he doesn't say under God's feet. He doesn't say under Christ's feet. He says under your feet. So what does that mean? The, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. So I think the first thing, what does the word crush mean? The, the word crush means to abolish or render harmless. Isn't that a great, isn't that a great definition? Isn't it great to understand what, what Christ is, what Paul is teaching us that, that through Christ we have? The God of peace will soon render Satan harmless under your feet. Well, let's talk just a little bit of what, what, about what that means. The word shortly doesn't mean that's something that's going to happen in the future. We need to understand that according to God's word, it means something that's happening instantaneously. It's happening now, just like that, with great haste. So Paul's saying, hey, understand this. The God of peace, but through Jesus Christ, is going to render Satan harmless under your feet, under who you are. And, and as we look at this, we need to understand Satan has already been destroyed. He's already been defeated. He, he's out, he's, he's fighting against what God is doing, but he is a defeated foe. And when we look at that, Satan's destruction, it was predicted from the very beginning. And I'm not going to spend much time here, but you remember Adam and Eve in the garden? And as Adam and Eve was in the garden, uh, which it was, it was a paradise there, and, and in this paradise uh, it was destroyed. Why? Because they were, they were not wise about evil. So when it was paradise, the Bible says they were wise about good. Now look in verse Roman, Romans 16, verse 19 again. And they were innocent about evil. So when we think about what that's saying, and Adam and Eve was there in the garden, they didn't have any experience with evil. They didn't know, uh, they didn't know what evil was. They only knew what was good. They only knew what was pleasing and what was perfect. And, and you know what? That's the way heaven's going to be. 
We're not going to have evil in heaven. We're going to have that which is pleasing, that which is good. We're going to, God is going to create that, that place for us in a new heaven and a new earth, and it's going to be a perfect place with no evil. And that's how the Garden of Eden was. But then the serpent, Satan, came in the form of a serpent, and the Bible says that he said to Eve, did God say you could eat of this tree, and, and because you eat of this tree, you'll, you'll know the difference between, listen, between good and evil and you'll be like God. See, up to this point, they only knew good. They were innocent when it came to evil. But Satan said, hey, you can know good, and you can know evil, and on top of all that, you can be like God. So when that happened, and, and when that happened, you know that Adam and Eve, they both ate, and, and suddenly they were no longer innocent about evil. Now, you all know this story probably, but I want to remind you what happened at that point. When you read this, and you go back to those children's Bibles, and you see the picture, and you see them standing behind these green plants and, and all of this, but when you read the story, what does it say? It says, suddenly their eyes were opened, And what happened? They realized they were naked. All of a sudden, their eyes were open, and they they knew they were naked. And what were they? They were ashamed. And they were ashamed. And and the the essence of that story, if you think about it, is this. They became self-conscious of sin. Now, now watch this. Think about it. Up to that point, and I want to just take a side note, it doesn't say Adam looked at Eve and said, oh, you're naked. And Eve didn't look at Adam and go, oh, Adam, you're naked. They looked at themselves, and they self-centeredness realized they were ashamed. They realized that they, they were naked. They said, oh, oh, I'm naked. And, and all of a sudden, they had a, simple, a, a, a sense of self-consciousness. And in the midst of self-consciousness becomes self-centeredness. Now, up to this point... They were God-conscious. They were God-centered. So, so their world revolved around the consciousness of God, about who God was. They were God-centered. And then they sinned, and where did their attention go? It left God, and it began to go to their self. And, and they became self-centered, and they became self-conscious about who they were and what they are. Now, I believe this. Sin comes from our self-centeredness. Nearly all sin, I want you just to think about that. Sins that you know about, aren't they nearly all wrapped in self-centeredness? I mean, they, isn't that where they begin? And when we see this and we realize that, that because of our self-centeredness, because of our self-consciousness, we lose that focus on God sometime and no longer are we God-focused, we're self-focused. So when we look at that and we say, okay, we've messed up. And Adam and Eve in that... They messed up paradise. And then we've joined in with them and we've messed up God's plan. But because of that, look what God did. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 14, So the Lord God said to this serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock, above all the wild animals. You'll crawl on your belly. You'll eat dust all the days of your life. And I'll put enmity or animosity or hatred between you, the snake, and the woman in between your offspring. And Satan, and there are children of the devil today, and, and we can go and study that in heirs, her offspring, notice this, he, and you can just write that word down, that word is Jesus, Jesus 
will crush your head. Not only he, Jesus, but also those who are in Jesus will crush your head and you, Satan, will strike his heel. When we read that, Genesis 3, 14 and, 14 and 15, that's the first appearance of Jesus Christ in the Bible. That's the prophecy of, of the one who is to come. Now, Satan's destruction, it was accomplished on the cross. So we see a, a prophecy here, and well, we had an interesting study Wednesday night about the prophecies that Christ has fulfilled and, and the likelihood of one person being able to fulfill all of these prophecies, but, but that's the prophecy. And, and, and Satan was literally defeated on the cross. That's rain, if you're wondering what that is. Uh, now let's fast forward about 2,000 years, and uh, there's one born... And the Bible says this, he was of a woman, a seed born of a woman, and his name was Jesus. Why do you think the Bible teaches that particular point of view? That, that Jesus was the Son of Man, he was the seed of a woman, born of a woman. It's because it's the fulfillment of this prophecy. All the way back from Genesis, that, that, that prophecy that we see in the New Testament, it's, it's fulfilled in Christ. And when he's 33 years old, Satan decides, I'm going to kill Jesus. And, and, and without going through every little step, can you imagine what was going on in Satan's mind? All of a sudden, Jesus is scourged, and, and he's saying, Yes, I, I have struck his heel like a serpent. And then Christ on trial, and then Christ being nailed to the cross, and, and Satan's going, Yes, I have struck his heel like a serpent. And then Christ dying, and, and from the cross saying, It is finished. I, I, I've done the work. I, I've completed what I came to do. And, and Satan's saying, yes, it's finished. Christ is, he's finished up. He's through with. But, but what Satan didn't realize was when Christ said it's finished, he was saying, Satan, your day is over. Your, your reign is finished. I've come, to ju- I come and I've completed the work that I've came to do. And you know what Christ done on the cross? He defeated Satan and he defeated sin And he defeated death. And when he said it's finished, we need to understand why the Bible says we crush Satan under our heels is because when we're in Christ, we are the finished product of Christ. We have the finished product of what Christ done on the cross. So we, we have conquered sin and and we're more than conquerors and, and in Christ we can defeat sin. So folks, when we come to this point of thinking about who we are in Christ and we think about in this church and we think about brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to understand that, that Satan is defeated. And in Christ, we can overcome the temptation that Satan sends our way. And when we're tempted to come and tear down what Christ is doing, when we're, we're tempted to come and, and stir the pot or poke the fire, whatever you want to say, we understand that, that Satan has planted that ideal and planted that seed. And, and the Bible says, but, but in our own selfish desire, we decide that, you know what? I don't like this person or I don't like what's going on and, and I'm going to go and I'm going to start trying to tear that down because why? I want my way. And, and my self-centeredness and, and my self-absorption is what's driving that. And Paul says, wait, church, we need to understand that, that Satan has been rendered harmless and we make a decision as Christ's children how we're going to move forward. Now, we're going to skip forward to a point we don't know yet. But in the future, Satan, Satan's 
Satan's future is determined, okay? And this is where I'm going to close this morning. If you have your Bibles, I want you to get them out because we're going to read a couple of scriptures is how we're going to close. But ultimately, look at the text in Revelation. and we're, I didn't look, get this for you. I saw an angel, uh, not any specific angel, just an ordinary angel, coming down out of heaven, having the keys to the abyss, holding in his hand a great chain, and he seized the dragon. Now, who is the dragon? It's a symbol. Who's the ancient serpent? It's a symbol. But we need to understand that Satan is not a symbol. The devil is not a symbol. So it says, I saw this happening. He was, he was bound. He was locked. He was, he was put away for a thousand years. Now, we're getting way over in Revelation. We're not going to spend much time there. And then he's let loose for a season. That's what the Bible says. And he's going to come to see the nations. And we've talked about Revelation. We'll talk about it again in the future. But here's what I want you to see. And then at the end of the thousand years, the Bible says that he was thrown and cast in, Satan and his demons, into the lake of fire and eternal punishment. Now listen, in Matthew 25, that's talking about hell. Why was hell created? Why did God create hell? God created hell for Satan. That's the only reason hell was created. For Satan and his followers... God never desired or never designed hell for any of His creation. And folks, we need to understand, we make that decision when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. We, when we say, you know what, I'm, I've sinned and I've failed. And, and because I've sinned, I need a Savior. And because I need a Savior, I'm going to take Jesus' blood and I'm going to, I'm going to ask God to, to cover me with the blood of Jesus. And through that, we have life and hell that was created for Satan, anyone who, who fails to accept Jesus Christ and recognize Jesus Christ as Savior, you're just going to follow Satan right into hell. That's what the Bible says. So, so how do we crush Satan on our feet? We're crushing him every time we take the high road. We sing that song, Lord, lift me up and help me stand on heaven's higher ground. And when we say, you know what, I'm going to take the high road. I have brothers and sisters in Christ. I have a church that I love. I have people that I love. And, and Satan, I don't want you to turn it down. I don't want you destroying what God is doing. And I want to take the high road. And we need to understand when we make those decisions, we're crushing Satan under our heel. He wants to strike us like a serpent, but through Christ, we're crushing him. And he's defeated. Now, let's get back to our subject here in just, for just a moment. If you would, turn over to Proverbs I love these scriptures, and that's what I want to close with this morning. We're going to look at several different... Turn to Proverbs chapter 11. They're not going to be on the overhead. I just kind of poked these in there at the very end. I knew I was going to have one minute before the service was over. So uh, Proverbs chapter 11, look at verse 13. If you're, a, if you're one that, that loves that little bit of, of, uh, of dissension there, we call it gossip. And usually when we talk about gossip, everybody laughs because we all get involved in a little bit of it. But we qualify it by saying what? Now, I don't mean to gossip. Well, if we do that, that kind of cancels everything out, don't it? <laughs> I don't mean to gossip, but I'm going to anyway. <laughs> but I want you to see what the Bible says about the one who disturbs dissension, the one who, who's the bearer of bad news, the one who enjoys stirring that pot up a little bit. Proverbs eleven thirteen. look what it says. It says, a gossip 
betrays confidence, but a trustworthy man keeps a secret. Now, with that, if you would, turn over to Proverbs verse, chapter 16 and verse 28. So we get, a, we get a, a good bit of gossip. We get a, a good little something we want to tear apart, and, and we want to we stir the fire up a little bit. So we call our good friend, and, and we say, listen to what I have. But look what Proverbs says. It, it betrays confidence in one another. And then it says this, A perverse man stirs up dissension, and a gossip separates close friends. I want you to think about this. While you're thinking about that, turn over to Proverbs chapter 26. When we're the town gossip, when you're the town gossip, and I'm not saying anybody here is the town gossip, does anyone have confidence in you? No. <laughs> you know, you got a telephone, telegraph, television, tell the gossip. And, you know, and they're going to tell everybody. It's going to get out around town. That's what, that's what the, 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 the writer of Proverbs is saying, you know. It destroys confidence. It, it separates friendships. And, and Proverbs 26, look down in verse 20. Proverbs 26, verse 20. Here's where we're headed this morning. Without wood, a fire goes out. And without gossip, a quarrel dies down. As a charcoal to his embers and as wood is to a fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling up strife. And the words of a gossip are like choice morsels, and they go down into the man's inmost parts. Boy, that writer was smart, wasn't he? He was saying when there's, when there's dissension, when they're stirring up things, you know, if you'll just let them go, if you'll just nod friendly to that person and, and give them that friendly handshake we talked about last week and, and don't, don't be involved in all of that dissension and all that's tearing down. You know what it says right here? It'll just die down. It'll just go away. I mean, it's not no fun if you want to gossip to somebody and every time you start they go... Hey, let me get them on the phone. Let's all get together and work it out. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I wouldn't come to you. I'd went to them. You know, if if we just do that, all of a sudden they go, well, I'm not going. <laughs> I'm not going to tell Christopher. He he always wants to straighten it out with them, and so I'm gonna, I'm going to go over here and I'm going to I'm going to tell somebody else, and then they do that too. Well, <laughs> that ain't no fun. I'm not going. If that happens enough, what's going to happen? <laughs> it's going to die out. I guess we're just going to let it go. I'm just going to let it die out. And when we think about that, that's really what Paul is saying. Folks, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. We're, we're to love one another. We're to encourage one another. We're to be there for one another. We're to, we're to have that family affection for one another. That's what Paul's been teaching us. And when someone comes and they begin to stir that up and try to destroy that, Paul says, hey, let's, let's get together as a family would. Let's have a family meeting. Let's, let's get it worked out. If you're not willing to do that, let's just stop having fellowship. Let's just speak and don't leave the church. Don't quit praying for them. But, but hey, don't, don't answer that phone. Don't, don't, don't spend that 30 minutes in the parking lot here and just, just have that friendly nod and say, you know what, we need, to, we need to move on through this. We need to let that die down. Let's, let's bow our heads together. This morning, Lord, I pray, Father, that, that your spirit would be our teacher. And, Lord, I know I've just stood up here and babbled around with a bunch of foolish words of a man. But I know, Father, too, that your spirit can take your words 
And you can give us a spirit of understanding, a spirit of wisdom. And Lord, I pray this morning that we wouldn't be confused in this church, that we would turn anyone away. But Father, we'd be a place of healing, a place of hope. We'd be a place of joy, a place where we can come not only as members of this church, but folks that are in this community that are looking for hope and looking for love and looking for friendship. This would be a place that that we could come and find it. But Lord, we know that that that's not going to exist where there's strife and dissension. And Lord, I pray that your spirit would teach me how to just not be a part of that. But, But Father, as you say that we would do that with gentleness and respect, Father, that we wouldn't turn away a cold shoulder and a harsh word, but but Father, we simply would would not have would not be a part of it. I pray your Spirit would straighten that out in my mind and in uh, my brothers and sisters' minds here this morning, Lord. Father, I pray today also that uh, as we just consider Satan and understand that he's defeated and there's a place that's created for him, Lord. I I pray for any here today that's never accepted you as their personal Savior. And Father, today I pray would be the day of salvation, the day of of realizing that you've created a place for us and you've made a way that we can have that that joy, that that eternity uh, in a place created for us, absent of evil. Father, we live in such an evil world today, we can't even understand what that'll be like. But Lord, we know it's more than we can comprehend. And Lord, I pray today as your spirit draws us unto yourself, I pray if there's any here that doesn't have that security that they don't know that they know that they know that they have a place built for them. I pray, Lord, today would be the day of salvation. And, Lord, I pray that as we've lifted you in this place, that you would draw men unto yourself, Lord. And as we have a time of invitation now, I pray that we would allow your spirit to move freely within us. And as you convict us, Lord, I pray that we would respond to the wooing and to the calling of you. And I pray this in the name of Jesus.